Okay, people. Yes, yes, yes. It is time for... Yeah, I feel this is the first echo chamber of the year, right? Right? And because of that, we are bringing you a bumper. Yes, yes, it's a double header. But as we do, people, let's start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 31st to the 2nd. Yes. So at number 10, it is the eight is 83, right? Again, still no information. I have no clue what the hell this film is. But yeah, it's at number 10. <laughs> now, at number 9, which is a film that everyone tells me is crazy. They either love it or they just say, yo, it's something you need to see. You know what I mean? And I'm talking about Titane, the French film from uh, Julia Ducoumou. Um, she also wrote it along with Jacques Alakiti and Simate Grigio. Um, yeah, man, I I I, I want to find an audio description. An audio description. A dub version. I need a dub version, man, so I can check this shit out. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, that's our number nine film. At number eight is Ghostbusters Afterlife from Jason Reitman. You know what I mean? Starring Wynn Wolfhand, uh, Mackenzie McKen McKenna Grace, Carrie Coon, Sigourney Weaver, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. Ernie Hudson, you know what I mean? And others. Right, so at number seven, it's Ridley Scott, House of Gucci. All right, so, uh, yeah, this starts some Hayek, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, you know what I mean? Lady Gaga. At number six, we looked at this last week. It's Encanto from Jared Bush, Byron Howard, and Carice Castro-Smith, right? Which, hey, if you like your Disney, hey, this has got a little charm, man. I think your kids, think your kids will like it. I think you'll enjoy it, too. But we are now into our top five. At number five, people, this week, it's the new Steven Spielberg. It is a West Side Story. Ansel Edgar, Rachel Zegler, Anna DeBoos, David Alvarez, and many more. Our number four film, it's the return to the franchise. That's right, Lana Wachowski brings us the Matrix Resurrections. Keanu Reeves is back. So is Carrie Ann Moss. Um, and we're joined by Christina Ricci, Paprinka Chopper Jonas, right? Jessica Henwick, Jonathan Gruff, Neil Patrick Harris, Yaya Abdul Madison II. Whoo! Yes, people seem to love it or hate it. 
<laughs> at number three, it's old Clifford, the big red dog from Walt, Walt Becker. All right. So our number two film in at number two is the new Matthew Vaughan. That's right, people. It's the King's Man. Right. It's a prequel to the Kingsman films. Right. So, um, yeah, this one stars Gemma Atherton. We've got Aaron Taylor Johnson, Matthew Good, Ralph Fiennes, Daniel Brühl, Stanley Tucci. You know what I mean? Tom Hollander. It's a fat cast, man. Charles Dance. You know what I mean? Which, hey, it means our number one film this week. It's not really a surprise, right? It's not really a spies. John Watts does it for the third time. It's Spider-Man No Way Home. Starring Tom Holland as Peter Parker. Zenada as MJ. We've got Marissa Tomei as May Parker. You know what I mean? We've got Jacob Batalon as Ned Leeds. Then we have got Sean Favreau as Happy Hogan, Benedict Cumberbunch as Doctor Strange, Benedict Wong as Wong, and there's a lot more. There's a lot more people, you know what I mean? Because it's in the multiverse, right? It's in the multiverse. All right, people. That's that. So, let us get into this week's films. Are you ready, people? All right, buckle up. Let's fucking go. Okay, people. So, let's get things popping off with um, a new indie flick called The Unhealer. Okay, people. So, um, yeah, recently I got sent this indie horror, revenge horror. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not quite sure. It's kind of a horror, I guess, because, you know, there's a possession, kind of a possession. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of horror, kind of sci-fi, you know, a little crazy, crazy. But it's called The Unhealer, which I don't know, because I kind of feel unhealing is killing, but there is some healing. So, hmm, don't know. But, yeah, I decided to give it a look, right? So, this film is directed by Martin Goigoy. I know I butchered that, so apologies, Martin. It is written by Kevin E. Moore and J. Sean Harris. Um, producing the piece is Tony Hannigan, Christy Harris, J. Sean Harris. They are Sibylines, um, 
and Galen Walker. Right, so Mark Vanker handled the music. Massimo Aziri was on the cinematography. It is edited by Eric Poulter and Peter Devani Flanagan. Casting was from D.E. Frank and Donald Paul Perrick. Production design is Jason Furloway. Um, costume design is Amparo Mura. Uh, makeup, Kate Klein and Elena Maravellias. Oh, I think. Um, and our cast. Our cast. Well, people, we have got Lance Henriksen as Pfeiffer. He is a... Um, Bit of a charlatan, <laughs> a bit of a charlatan, really. Um, then we've got Paulette, played by Shelby James, um, and her son Kelly, played by Elijah Nelson. Um, there's Dominique, who is a a friend love interest of Kelly, and she is played by Carla Carlson. Um, her friend Sarah, who is played by Angeline Appel. We've got um, three brothers, Nelson, Reed, and Tony. Uh, Nelson is played by David Gridley. Reed is Gavin Caslargano, and Tony is Will Roop. Um, there's Brad, played by Thomas Archer, Tucker, played by Mike Gray, they're all friends, uh, we've got Kendall, played by Shauna Wright, um, Bernice, no, sorry, Bernice is his mum, not Paulette, um, Bernice is played by Natasha Henstridge, um, we have Terry, who is playing by Christy Harris. She uh, gets in on the action. Uh, Avery, played by Ava Gardner. Uh, Red Elk, who is played by Branscombe Richmond. Um, Fitzgerald, who's played by Kevin E. West. Jed, played by Ian Fisher. Um, yeah. That that that's uh, you know our our main group of people. Okay, so the gist of the film is this. Um, where is our? Oh, I am all over the place. Here we go. Kelly has an unusual eating disorder called Picker, feasting on inedible items like paper, styrofoam and erases. Doctors can't help him. Classmates pick on him daily. His single mum is at her wit's end. When his condition worsens, Kelly's mum hires a faith healer to lay hands on a bedridden Kelly. Their healing ritual ends in disaster, but serves its purpose. And even more surprising, Kelly gains supernatural powers. 
any pain inflicted on him is instead felt by his aggressor. The next time a classmate attacks him for every punch landed on Kelly, the bully bleeds and Kelly heals. Out cruising the desert streets, his tormentors find Kelly riding his bike. They cheer as they tailgate and terrify him until Kelly hits a pothole and they run him over. As Kelly is crushed and dragged under the car, his power transfers the injuries to the driver. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. So, um, you know, Kelly's castmates now begin to alienate him even more, except for Dominique. And that's where the story um, develops, people. Right? So, it's an interesting one, this, because, firstly, I've forgotten all about Pika, right? Now, I've, I've heard of it, but once it's like, you know, you hear the name, you're like, oh, of course. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't, it kind of slipped my mind. And that's a, a crazy eating disorder, right? I think at first, it wasn't so clear he's eating the styrofoam. But when he opens up his locker and picks up a pencil and starts eating the eraser on the end of it, yeah, then you notice, right? Then it's a bit like, huh, okay. Now, I would, you know what I mean, no shade or anything like that, but if that's your thing, you don't really want to be eating in the the open, right, in the corridor at school. I think, like, you could hide it, sneak some bites and all of that, but yeah, you know, this is not, it's, 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 it's not creating a good vibe for Kelly. He's getting picked on. He's getting bullied. You know, he dunked in the rubbish bin. All of that jazz. That happens to him. Um, the film actually opens up with Pfeiffer. Right? But it is a bit unclear. There's, there's stuff with Pfeiffer and stuff with Red Oak. And it's a little bit unclear of what Pfeiffer does. But yeah, he, he gets these powers, gets these powers. Red Oak is the keeper, right? He's meant to be the guardian of all of this stuff. Gotta say, not a very good one. Not a very good one, right? We see him confront Pfeiffer in the film, which doesn't go well. And then he kind of sees that Kelly's got the power, but doesn't really do anything until close to the end. So, yeah, as a guardian, I, I, I mean, Red Oak fails miserably. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, we, we, we see all of this stuff go down, right? And then Pfeiffer, you know, he starts to do the whole healing, right? But... No one questions, like, the, 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 the thing is, so they show him in the town, and there's a load of people around, but first it's like, why would all of these people come, you know, it, it's just like, 
was Pfeiffer this beforehand, right? That That's what we don't really know. We just see him going to give a talk, but loads of people there, which is a little bit baffling, right? Because there's no big sign or anything. Like, so, yeah, he, that's a little bit baffling. And then when he does his thing, no one questions it, right? No one's like, oh, she's a plant. Or, you know, maybe it's just like, oh, no, that's real. I know her. She's been in pain all her life. Like, at least certain, right? At least certain. Because when we then get Bernice approach him, because at this point, Kelly is, you know, he's ill. But again, it's a little... Like, what would be wrong with him? You know, obviously, he's not getting very good, any nutritional benefits from styrofoam paper, you know, erasers, any of that jazz. But it's like, the doctor comes, and it's just like, I don't know, oh, what could be wrong with it? Like, and you're just like, okay, no, there would be something clearly wrong, right? Whether it's malnutrition, scurvy, like something. But no, so she, at her wit's end, approaches this faith healer, which you do think again, there's a faith, right, there's faith healing, and then there's this dude who's like, um, you gotta give me the money first, because the money then triggers my powers, and it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, that is just, you know what I mean? That, uh, as a thing, you would think, Mm, you're a fraud, sir. You're a fraud. But yet, you get Benice just like, oh, can you heal myself? And I'd kind of assume she would question that, right? There would be some form of questioning to be like, is this legit? Because I get she's concerned. But are you really giving over all your money for something that you don't know if it's real or not, right? I think that could have been better established hearing that whole thing. But it, yeah, it, he comes, it goes wrong, goes wrong. Which, because there's two attempts and the first one doesn't go well. And you kind of think, wait, why would you, if you've got a bad, like, why would you go, you know what I mean? There's there's the odd things that go down in the film, but yeah, we see Kelly get the power, and I think then he's trying to work out, right? Well, he doesn't know he's got the power essentially. Then he discovers after getting bullied. But I think there's a, there is some oddness with the film in the fact that it it doesn't really establish certain things very well. Like the only thing, the thing it does well is the original, like the opening interactions with Kelly and Dominic, right? Because we see that they were friends. We find out, you know, she likes him because he was there for her when she was new, right? He he, he welcomed her, he helped her, all of that. So we get all of this, and you're like, okay, that makes sense. And yeah, you, you there's a loyalty, right? And so her being like, hey, leave him alone, and all, you'd be like, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down with that. 
So that was done well. It, it, it's just, I think Kelly getting beaten up is one thing, right? But then some of the stuff, because his mum is all, you got to hide it, right? And again, unless you are saying this film is made, even if it's made in the 70s, right? 60s, if you're like, say, there were comic books then, there were superheroes, not as many as we have now, but yeah, there's that, that there's that understanding like you you don't reveal your powers, right? Don't reveal your powers, but he's all kind of just flaunting the shit. Would you think it's not gonna bode well, man? It's not gonna bode well. Now, when retaliation comes, like. <sighs> Again, it's one of those things that when you have a, a, a scene that you don't need, right? A scene that you don't need, but you have your characters being like, hey, do you need it? I'm going to go and do this. Okay, I'll wait. Like this whole big thing, you know, oh, shit, something bad is now going to happen, right? Because it's too heavy handed. But the thing that goes down is a little baffling. It's a little baffling. Because they're like, oh, we're, we're monitoring Kelly. Oh, we want to do this thing and blah, blah, blah. But they know he lives with his mum. They know that. So it, it, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's weird. It, it's weird everything that goes down. And then from that, we do get one of the bullies show remorse but then that's played weird because at one minute they're showing remorse and then all of a sudden they're back and you're like wait you're flip-flopping here you you've just had this character do this thing for the last 20 30 minutes and now you're having them go back to what they were at the very start which doesn't really make any sense, you know. Doesn't really make any sense. Um, now some of the effects are pretty good. Some of the effects are pretty good. Some are a little bit, you know what I mean, hacky. The acting, the acting isn't bad in some parts. Kelly, hey. Like, I think there's, there's scenes of, um, you know, the, the being possessed and, like, there's a, you know, the platoon scene. You know what I mean? When someone drops their knees and it's like, no! He does that at one point. It's not good. It's not good. Like, he's very endearing, as I said, with the whole Dominic, right? It's a scene and, like, yeah, and it's like, yeah! A little punch the sky, and you feel it, you feel it, but then some of the other stuff is just overplayed, right? It's just a little bit ugh, hack. Now, we have like there's films like Psycho PS Psycho Gorman, right? Which was very fun, ton in cheek, and it, it's playing up that little over-the-top craziness, and that. You get it, right? You can see what they're doing. With this, I don't think that's the intention. But we do get that. That 
over the top that, oh, no, you know what I mean, from some characters. But then you have other people playing it mad straight. So it gets a little bit convoluted in that, you know, in that sense. But um, the end, the end's a bit crazy, right? Because you kind of figure the, the power sends things back on the person that did. It, it doesn't, like, shouldn't affect three people. Like, the, the, having this thing affect three people was, like, how the fuck is that happening? Like, it, it's, yeah. Because you just hear one noise, right? Which signifies one. So, how, yeah, it was, made no sense. Made no sense. Other thing that made no sense was this dream this lucid dream that three people had. Three people had, and then no one commented on it, right? It was a bit like, what's the purpose of this scene? Because no one then brings it up afterwards, and you kind of feel that is something people are talking about, especially the scenes they make in the classroom, which... Listen, not everyone reacts in the same way to certain things. So the fact that they are all doing this thing just was weird. It was really weird. And no one was saying anything for a while. And you're just like, wait, they're all arching backs and being like, like, what was happening here? Right. So it's a bit weird. So, yeah, there's this thing. The unhealer. It is a little bit all over the place. I kind of felt, right? It's a little bit all over the place. But if you are a fan of, you know, those kind of revenge team angst horror films, you know what I mean? If that's your thing, I, I, I think this could very well speak to you. You know, um, if you like, there was an, a Shudder film that came out last year, Random Acts of Violence, right? I feel if you like that, then um, maybe The Unhealer is for you. And if it is, people, it is now available. So, um, yeah, there's there's a link for the DVD and to purchase via iTunes in the episode information, but yeah, on all your favorite VODs, you will be able to find it. So if it sounds like it's for you, people, go get you some unhealing. Okay, people, so this next joint drops on Monday. It's the Commando. Okay, people, so The Commando, it's the new film from Asif Akbar, right? He um, he conceived a story with Al Bravo and Koji Stephen Saki, and uh, Saki wrote the screenplay. It is produced by uh, 
Akbar, uh, Elias Aksum, uh, Bravo, and uh, Saki, along with Philip Tan. The music is from Mauricio Yazigi. Cinematography is Jorge Gomez. It's edited by R.J. Cooper. Casting was from Lindsay Chag. Uh, production design is Chad Quick. Um, yeah, I think that, that's most of it. Costume design is uh, Roxy Tranio. Uh, set decoration is Janae Chase. And our cast, well... We have got Michael J. White. He plays James Baker. He's married to um, Jennifer, who is played by Mia Terry. And he has two daughters. There is um, Serafina, who is played by Desiree Gerardine. And Natalie played by Noah Maz, or Nua, Nua Maz. Um, yeah, also in the piece, um, he's got his, one of his good friends, Sebastian, who's played by Brendan Fear. And then there's our antagonist, Johnny. He's played by Mickey Rourke. Um, Johnny has his crew's brother Matthew is played by Matthew Van Wettering um, and then there is Sean who's played by Sam Tan and Rudy who is is it Rudy? I feel it is Rudy. Hmm. No, or it might be Trey. And well, there's Trey who's played by John Enos the Third. Um, Rudy, who's played by Cord Newman. Um we've got Dominic, who's played by Gianni Capaldi, his brother Ray who is played by none other than Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, that was fun. Um, Sheriff Alexander, played by Jeff Faye. Um, yeah, who else do we have? I guess Dr. Burke, she's the DA, DA therapist, played by Nikki Horde. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. who else is there? Guess there's um Serafina's friends. So there's Tom played by Rubble Taylor, uh, Dana, who's played by Andrea Cheryl, Lisa played by Aries Megias, um. Yeah, I think that's that's about it, people. And the gist of the film is this. A DEA agent, right, that's James, 
with PTSD returns home after a botched mission and must now protect his family from a home invasion after a recently freed convict and his henchmen come after their stash of millions inside the agent's home. So, I mean, it's, it's not really a botched mission. Like, the mission was a success. There was just some unforeseen consequences. There's something didn't go quite as planned, as it were, but by no mistake of anyone's. And, um, yeah, so we open up the film with this mission. And I have to say, it's very well you know, shown, though, <laughs> our villains, our villains are holding the guns sideways. And I, I, I think, I think we've moved past that. You know what I mean? Like, we understand that's, that's not how you do it. That, that That's not an effective way of striking people, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, there is that, right? But it, it did look very well orchestrated and everything like that. So, yeah, we, this DA mission. Um, and, yeah, as I said, look, there was collateral damage, you know, unforeseen. They didn't know a situa certain situation. And, yeah, it, it, it goes badly. And, you know, James... He's the one that kind of does this thing and it haunts him. Now, I can understand why, how this thing could affect you. But I would say, right, a, a, a you know, a DEA agent, they've seen some stuff, right? It's not his first rodeo. So he's seen some stuff. Now, if you're talking PTSD, right, I, I would imagine it's not just this one incident that would affect him. Now, the, the incident, I think it, can, it would affect him in the fact that he has two daughters. But other than that, you know what I mean? So I, I, I did think that part of it was a little bit... I get what they're doing. They're trying to establish this thing. But, yeah, you know, I just think it's not... It's not that well developed because, again, they kind of deal with it. You know, you see him have, a, like, two therapy sessions... <laughs> Right. Two therapy sessions after some flashbacks and a, a situation in the house, which. You know, what I mean, it, you just kind of think because the therapist is like, oh, this isn't a quick fix. You know, it will take time. But the way we're kind of shown it, they're trying to quick fix it, you know. And I think that does seem to be an issue with the film. There is stuff that is rushed, it seems. You know, there's this idea of a story which isn't terrible, 
right? But it, it doesn't fully take shape, you know? And that, that's a thing. Like, because we see, um, oh, God, Johnny? Yeah, Johnny, right? We see Mickey Rourke's character, Johnny, come. We see him in jail. It's his last day in jail. And, you know, it's a big setup to show he's no one to fuck with. So we see all of that, right? That's established. Comes out of jail, you know, he's really pleased to see his brother and his friend and all of this. And it's a bit weird because it's just like, hey, you know, I've heard you've gone straight. Right? But then it's, but we got to do this thing. And that's when it all goes a little south. It goes a little, like, because stuff goes down that you just think it, it, it didn't have to go like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? It, 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 the, the, the rush to get this money, it seemed a bit odd because it had been sitting in this place for um, 15 years. Right? It's been there for 15 years. So you're kind of feeling, hey, it, if it's gone, it's gone by now, right? So why would you just, you know what I mean, go crazy for it straight out the gate, right? Straight out the gate when you'd think yeah, people are keeping an eye, right? All of that jazz. So that seemed a bit, yeah, it was a bit hard to digest. You know what I mean? You'd be like, I don't know if I'm buying this, right? And yeah, it's just oh my gosh, one of the um, one of the dudes going to the house. It it you're just like. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? The way they played it, it was just insane. But you're just like, no one would be fucking with this dude, man. It's too unhinged. It, it's just like, it's just like, let me feed, man. Let me feed. And you're just like, oh shit. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like a lot of the relationships, you know, like um. Just James and the family, it it didn't necessarily feel complete, right? They tried to show, you know, the wife and the kids, please see him and just all of this. and But it just, it, it, it didn't feel like there's this real bond there. You didn't really, I don't know, buy it as a family, you know what I mean? The fight scenes would the fight scenes weren't bad. I they weren't bad. Some of them were better than others. I the um, you know, it was fun to see Donald Cerrone do his thing in the film, but that whole element did seem a little forced. Again, you were just like, why would Johnny do this shit? You know what I mean? Like he's trying, he's meant to be staying off the radar, and just all of this shit that's going down, it's just like, this ain't off the radar, this ain't subtle, man, 
It really ain't subtle. It was a kind of crazy. So, yeah, there's all of this. And, yeah, again, that the house home invasion, it felt very rushed, unnecessary. A lot of the things that went down, you know, it is. Yeah, it's an odd one. It is an odd film. Like there is a good idea trying to get out, I felt. But I will say this, right? If you're a fan of stuff like, you know, hard kill, out to death, out of death even, right? The, a couple of recent Bruce Willis films, you know, if you enjoyed those, I kind of feel you're like this, you know? If you liked stuff like um, Assassins Anonymous, right? I, I think you will like The Commando. So hey, it's not going to be for everyone. But yeah, if you enjoy those straight to DVD, you know, action films, you know, the ones, the Steven Seagal films, the Jean-Claude Van Damme ones, you know, those sort of ones. If you enjoy those people, then I think the Commando will be just a ticket for you. Yes, and next, people, it's the new Shudder joint for the sake of vision. Okay, people, so there's a new horror flick coming to Shudder, and it is called For the Sake of Vicious Fun, which, uh, well... For the sake of vicious, I added the fun. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, it tells you a lot, right? With, with a title like that, you'd be like, okay, this is an, uh, this is no love story, people. You know what I mean? So, um, yes. Yeah, straight out the gate, you know it's gonna be something, something a little crazy. Well, it should be. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't be tame with a title like that, right? So it is from um, Reese Evenshin and Gabriel Carrier. You know, they um, directed and wrote the piece. I mean, they both wear a good few hats for this one because they both produce as well, along with Avi Federgreen. Um, Carrier handles the music along with Fox Grinder. Alex Tong is on cinematography. Evan Shin does the editing. Ashley Hallahan is the casting. Um, Carrier and Eversham handled the production design. Um, Eversham was on makeup and special effects, along with Carlos Herix, uh, Diana Ionopoli, 
Ryan uh, Lugie, Aaron Stewart, and Dira Venot. Um, and production management was Peter Sasbo. So, um, yeah, that's that. Now, what is this film about? So, an overworked nurse returns home to find a maniac hiding out with a bruised and beaten hostage. When an unexpected wave of violent intruders descend upon her home, it becomes a fight for survival. <sighs> hmm. Yes. And so, yeah, we, we open up, right? And we see our, oh, oh, yeah, cast. I didn't tell you who's in the fucking film. Man, so, right, our nurse is... Romina, who's played by Laura Burke. Our maniac is Chris, played by Nick Sive. Our beaten guy is Alan, played by Colin Paradine. He's, I don't know, right-hand man, fixer, is Gerald, played by James Fleur, right? Um... Alan actually has two kids, right? The oldest one is played by Aidan Bryce. The youngest is played by Mavis Ruth Stewart. Um, then there's like the hench people. So Papa is played by TJ Kennedy. Oscar, Adam Ewins. Tango is Boris Milankovic. Echo is Nick Spartan. Delta is Dorian Allen. Uh, and then there's a, a few bikers. So there's Billy Cottrell, Jim Luznick, and Mac Young. They're our, our dodgy biker crew people. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I feel that's most of our, our our craziness up in this one, man. You know, we do see one of um, Romina's colleagues, and she's played by Erin Stewart, which I think may be one of Alan's kids. Is her uh, is her daughter? I mean, that would, I guess, that would have helped on the set. All of that, right? So, yeah, as I was saying, we, we start off the film, we're, we're like thrown into it, right? We just see um Chris in a room with um two people. He's beaten one, looks like they're unconscious, and then there's um Alan, right? Alan, who he is, yeah, beating, and we just see him giving one big whack. Right. Then we cut to um, Romina. She's at work. She's walking down a corridor. She gets to the front desk and she's taking sweets. Right. Because it's Halloween and she's like, these are my son's favorites. And there's a little thing between her and her colleague. Don't know if it's passive aggressiveness or like uh, what. But yeah, she comes home comes home and it's just like walks in and then she senses something right something weird is going on 
And then Chris appears. Right? Chris appears. And there's a bit of a fight. There's a bit of a fight, right? He's not exactly gentle with her. Right? But then it's just like, okay, calm down, calm down, calm down. And he's like, hey, she sees Alan tied up. And then Chris, right, after <laughs> hearing attacking her, essentially, he's like, I want you to look at this. Sit down. Let's talk. Feel like, yo, it's probably yeah, you missed the boat with the niceties, son. And he gives her files because the gist is Chris's daughter was raped five years ago. And um, these aren't spoilers. I mean, this, you know, this isn't really a spot, 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 spoiler, sports. It's not really a spoiler, right? Um, because his daughter was raped five years ago. And uh, he's looking for revenge. He's looking for answers, all of this jazz, right? And he's like, yo, this dude did it, right? Alan turns out to be uh, Romina's landlord. I figure he's something else as well. There's, he, you know what I mean? With bodyguards and, you know what I mean? All of this, it seemed, I think he might be a politician, something, right? But he's a bit of a mucky muck, you know? And, um, yeah, we, we see Chris beating him, trying to get a confession. He's denying it. And it's all kind of crazy like that. Now, it I will say, right, because, yeah, you, you get... It's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. But... Some of the reactions in these opening sequences, right? The opening third of the film, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I I can see that. Because and it was all right because you know they didn't play Romina as just completely cowering in the corner and all of that. You know what I mean? She's obviously not happy and scared. But she is trying to be like, stop hitting him and don't tell me what to do. This is my house and all of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Now, her, she's got a son. He's not home, luckily. Right. So um, she has to convince her, her mum to keep the kid longer. So we have all of this play out. And yeah, I think you can look at some of that and you'd be like, all right, that feels like it would happen. You know, um, you know, she's trying to get him, Chris to let him free, you know, all of that, because, you know, then she remembers, but she was the nurse that looked after his little girl. So there is that. Now, it, it's, I mean, some of the stuff Alan says does make you wonder. And when I say some of the stuff, because he, he is denying it, but I think it's the wording of what he says. I think it gives you a little pause. All right. Now, the film gets a little crazy. The film gets suddenly gets a little crazy with stuff, which then leads to all these intruders that are mentioned in the synopsis, right? All these people come and... Although, right, I, I, there is, 
element. I mean, there's a lot in the 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 next two thirds of the film that you'd be like, okay, yeah. I mean, it, I think the fight scenes and everything like that. It is crazy. It's not graceful, and you do kind of look at it, it like, oh yeah, I see that shit happening. You know, because these aren't trained fighters. So there's going to be a little caution. But again, they're going to be a little bit cocky. They're not, they're also not going to know exactly what to do. And we do see that play out. So that's all fine. The fights themselves, it's, yeah, it's scrappy. You know what I mean? They're just grabbing at anything as a weapon. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, you feel that. You definitely feel that in what goes down. It's a lot of blood. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they do go crazy with the blood, right? So it, it has a grindhouse element with that respect because... I don't think there's going to be as much blood so, with some of the things that went down, you know? Now, one problem of the film is it's the reasoning, right? Because it doesn't really make much sense of why Chris brought um, Alan to Romina's house. Yes, yeah, she's a nurse that um, helped him, but, you know, all the places, why there, right? You'd think, because it's a residential house on a, you know, busy street. So wouldn't it make more sense to take him to a secluded spot, especially a secluded spot where you can see people approach, just all of that kind of jazz, right? And you think, how the fuck did he know where she lived? Yeah, he she treated your kid, in hospital, so how do you know where she lives? You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff here that you're like, huh? Then, as I said, you don't really know who Gerald is. He works for Alan, but is, yeah, that's the thing. Is it he's right-hand man? He's secretary, PA, a fixer? What the fuck is he? Because then... Everything that goes on, you're like, say what? You know what I mean? There, there's a bit at the end. He's like, what do you want? I want it all. Which then, that's why I think Alan is more than a landlord. And I, I think there's word that he's, yeah, in, in, in government. I feel that was said. I can't remember. Um, memory is bad. <laughs> but yeah, I feel that was said, which would make, a bit of more sense, but still not quite, right? So there are these plot holes. Again, residential house, all this noise, and no one is calling for help. No one is phoning, right? Now, come on. There's plenty of times on a residential street and neighbours making noise, people phone the police. Right, especially certain noise, like maybe a gunshot, <laughs> you know, or the sounds of someone getting beaten. You'd think that might bring someone around, right? But we don't see that. It's Halloween, 
and you know pumpkins outside a house and all of this so you'd think again loads of people knocking right and in this community they would know she's got a kid so they'd assume oh yeah she'll have candy right and especially if they've given it out the years before that's a house of spot but we don't really see anyone right so there are these holes in this plot you know just the reasoning and stuff like that because there is a point where we do get some sort of answer and it's like okay so huh why would like yeah it's, it's a little baffling why you know, now interspun within all of this, we do see um, the start of Alan's day, right? And we see the incident with, I mean, we don't, thankfully, we do not see the incident with Chris's daughter, but we see stuff around that, right? So we get all of this spun within the film. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little crazy, people, it is a little crazy, um, it's like 80 minutes, so it's not overly long, there did seem like there was things that maybe could have been edited down a bit, you know, but if you just want, like, a visceral crazy, you know what I mean? If that's what you are looking for, then I feel that this could work, right? So if you enjoyed stuff like um, the the recent Prisoners of the Wasteland, a recent Nick Cage crazy, you know what I mean, the dystopian cowboy samurai film, right? So if you enjoyed that or of um acts of violence if you enjoyed those on shudder then I, I i think that could lead you in this if you like grindhouse stuff then yeah this kind of fits but um yeah <laughs> you know what i mean for the sake of vicious is um yeah now on shudder people so uh yeah Go check it out, but be be aware. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood and a thin story. But you know, it's very visceral. It is very, very visceral. <laughs> yeah. So the title for the sake of vicious does seem to fit. It really does. Okay, people, let's end with the new Universal Espionage joint. It's the badass females doing their thing. It's the 355. Okay, people, so I am just back from the media screening of the 355. Right, it is this new espionage film right and i think a lot of the talk around it would be like oh you know what i mean it's a female born right it, it's from these heavyweights when you look at the people involved in the film it's 
friggin' it's crazy, right? It's crazy. So there was a lot of talk. You've also got, you know, five women, five real talented women involved. And it's just like, ah, oh, that's a lot of people, man. Are they going to muddy the waters here? How is this going to coalesce, right? That's the thinking. And, um, yo, people, out, you know what I mean? There's no point even trying to, you know, dance around. In fact, I enjoyed the shit out of this, right? This this was a good film. Oh, my days. It really was. Really was. Um, so let's get into those, uh, those brass tacks, shall we? All right, so it is directed by Simon Kinberg. You know what I mean? Old Kinberg, he is behind a lot of stuff, you know? He wrote the X-Men films, right? He, um, I mean, he also, you know, he, 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 he did work on, the, you know, that uh, friggin' Fantastic Four film. <laughs> he did. I mean, he's worked on some stinkies. Right? Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> oh, Triple X State of the Union. Right? Like, <laughs> but again, he's worked on some good shit. He's worked on some very good films, right? The Martian, Elysium, which I enjoyed Elysium. You know? I, I think Elysium got a bit of a bad rap, but I enjoyed Elysium. Jumper was solid, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And, you know, he, he did uh, The Martian, right? He um, produced The Martian, which definitely a good one, right? Definitely a good one. So uh, that caliber of creative, you know what I mean? That caliber of creative, you're like, okay, all right. You know, you've got my, you got my attention, um, and the interesting thing, because he worked on those X-Men films. Now, this, I read this. It might not be true. But during the making of Dark Phoenix, little, little left said on that one. You know what I mean? That wasn't a good one. <laughs> but during the making of that, there's Jessica Chastain. She, um, she was in that, right? And she said to him, yo, we... Why don't we do a, a female spy film? You know what I mean? Why don't we do that along the likes of James Bond, Mission Impossible? Why not? And it's like, hmm. So they mold around the idea. And, um, yeah, they developed it. So uh, Kimberg, Kim, yeah, Kimberg. I, why I even doubt myself, man? Shit. But... He worked on the story with um, Beck Smith and Teresa Rebic, right? Um, yeah, with Rebic and Kimberg, you know, polishing up the screenplay. Um, it's produced by Chastain, Kelly Carmichael, and Kimberg. Cinematography is. Tim Maurice Jones is edited by John Gilbert and Lee Smith. Music is Tom Holkenberg. Uh, and 
Man, the cast. Jeez. This is a ridiculous cast. Now, it it, it, it did take me a while. Well, I was going to say, I don't, why am I even lying? There's people, I was watching the film and thinking, I recognize that. Who the fuck is that person? I recognize them. Right? So Jessica Chastain. I, I couldn't place her in my mind. I was like, who the fuck is that? I know who she is. Well, she plays Mason Brown. Right? Or is it Brownie? When there's E on the end of Brown, is it Brown or is it Brownie? I mean, you don't really care. But yeah, she plays that. AKA Mace. It's a terrible nickname, right? Mason, like Mace. Just doesn't work. But she's a CIA officer. Right? Um, her partner in the CIA's Nick Fowler, played by Sebastian Stan. Now I I, I recognize Stan. I was like, oh, Winter Soldier. Okay. So yeah, I, I at least I got that. And her boss was Larry Marks, played by John Douglas Thompson. We then have got, um, yeah, because we saw her next. So it's Mary Schmidt. So she works for the BND. That's the German secret agency. And she's played by Diana Kruger. I, yeah. I was lost with that one. I was lost. I was like, I, I, I know you, but I don't know you. Right? So, um, yeah, she worked for them. Um, who next? Okay. So, yeah, let's go. So, they are after Edgar Ramirez's character, Louise Rojas who's a DNI agent, right? And that's the Colombian Secret Service. There's a lot of secret services here, people. Uh, so, yeah, they're after him, right? Um, and Penelope Cruz, who I didn't think it was Penelope Cruz. I thought it was um, Pia. Is it Pia Guerrero? I don't know, but it's Penelope Cruz. I didn't really need to tell you that, but fuck it. You know what I mean? Now, she also works for the DNI. Uh, she's a psychologist, though. She's not an agent in the field. And her character is Gracilia. Right? We then meet Khadija, right? A former MI6 agent a computer specialist, and she is played by Lapita Nanguya, right? So we got, I think that's all our main, I mean, there is also Fan Bingbing, who plays Lin Mai Shang, and she's an MSS agent. Yes, I, you can probably surmise, yeah, she's the Chinese Secret Service, right? So, yeah. A lot of people. So her dad is, I think that's her dad. Um, hmm, I'm not quite, I forget. Uh, but we've also got Jason Wong, who plays Stevens. Emilio Insalala, who plays a hacker. Um, we've got 
Hilton Patel plays Ahmad Iman. Uh, Leo Starr plays Grady. And Oleg Chinkanova plays Peter Kasanov. Right, so um, yeah, that's our uh, that's our major players in the piece. Right, so the gist of the film, people, is a little like this: when a top secret weapon falls into mercenary hands, wild card CIA agent Mason Brown will need to join forces with rival badass German agent Maria, a former MI6 ally and cutting-edge computer specialist Khadija, and skilled Colombian psychologist Gracelia, right, on a lethal breakneck mission to retrieve it, while also staying one step ahead of a mysterious woman, Ling Shang. Not really true. Who is tracking their every move? Mm, not really true. As the action rockets around the globe, from the cafes of Paris to the markets of Morocco to the opulent auction houses of Shanghai, the quartet of women will forge a tenuous loyalty that could protect the world or get them killed. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. That's it, baby. That's it. And, um, boy, yeah, it's a ride. Now, it's... I will get it out the gate, right? There are subtitles in the film, which it kind of makes sense, but it is frustrating as a motherfucker, especially, right, and I don't know why. The front row was off limits. I don't even know why. It baffled me, right? Got into the screen. Front row empty. I'm like, golden. Boom. Sat my ass down. Then I had the staff come up to me and be like, oh, you can't sit in the front row. I'm like, say what? They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, you can only sit at the seats with popcorn. I'm like... Oh, yeah, that, that's the one nice thing about most, I think the majority of, mm, that's a lie. Some, well, some, you got biscuits, right? There's coffee and biscuits. They usually give you a little sign, sign. But yeah, some of these bigger screenings, you know, there's alcohol, right? Some, and uh, yeah, popcorn or other little treats and treats, which is, you know, nice. But when you're keto, it's all off limits, man. <laughs> anyway, anyway, why am I, god damn it, why am I, you know what I mean, whoo, tangents, baby, tangents, right, but yeah, in the, I mean, to be honest, even in the front row, I ain't seen the subtitles, I ain't seen the subtitles, one thing I did notice, they did do that thing, though, did do that thing, no border around the subtitles, so you've got white letters on light backgrounds a lot of the time which i is amateur man you'd think by now people would work out it's not the way to do it but they do it nevertheless do it nevertheless so when it opens up there's a film opens up with subtitles i was just like oh man please 
don't let this be a large portion of the film. Now, it is all the way through, but yeah, that like the majority isn't, which was good. And you could kind of get the tone of what was happening, even though, you know, I couldn't read what the fuck was happening. So it opens anyway. Yeah, I need to get into this shit. Opens up, right? With this um, deal going down, right? You know what I mean? It's like uh, cartels and all of this. They're meeting in Colombia, right? And so it's it, it, it's like a big drug deal. It's like a big drug deal. But then you realize it's not drugs. It's not drugs. It's this encryption key that they're trying to sell. And obviously, people, that does not go to plan. Right, because you got the situation in the room, and then you've got the DNI outside lurking, getting ready to bust it down. Right now, when you see like what happens in the room, you're just like, okay, all right, because you it is a bit like, are people that dumb? Right, are people really that dumb? You know, but yeah, you're like, fine. All right, fine. But it does make you wonder, right? How are they telling this story? Right? Is it just going to be people falling into the commonly seen mistakes? Right? That's the thinking. That is the thinking. So we see this and then it's retrieval, right? It's retrieval. So, you know, the drive is with a DNI agent. And he's trying to offload. Mosley doesn't really know what he's got. So you've got agencies looking for it. So we see, that's where we meet Mason, right? She's fighting, doing a little martial arts, you know? Because that's the thing now. Every film, they want to throw in a little martial arts, right? Want to throw that into the film. But I will say, what made it interesting for me with this scene is the, the style of fighting, because it wasn't just, you know, how, and I've, I've mentioned this, right, when it gets ridiculous, but you've got a small woman, and she's beating up all these dudes, and all of this, so in the fight, she's using her speed, and things like that, and when she got hit, yeah, she's getting buckled over, buckled, doubled over, buckled over, that's not a thing, she's getting doubled over, and so it's like, okay, I believe in this fight that we're seeing, you know what I mean? And that was very reassuring, right? It made me think, oh, looks like they might handle this shit a little different, right? Looks like they might handle this shit a little different. So we see all of this, they get sent on a mission, but then they do that thing. They do that thing with loners, and then they decide to, you know, open up, right? And it's just like, oh, I don't have to be alone all the time. And as soon as you see that shit, you know someone's getting murked, right? Obviously, someone is getting murked because you don't give a vulnerable moment, you know, lay, someone letting their guard down early on in a film without consequences. It, it's the obvious thing that we always see, which, again, kind of rolled my eyes. And I'm a bit like, oh, no. Are we just doing these cheap little gimmicks? 
but yeah this this mission so they go to retrieve the drive they go to retrieve it in paris that all goes wrong and we get two separate chases she's after the woman who happens to be our german operative maria right marie maria marie marie i feel marie and then um you know nick he chases old um um, fuck, Chris. The dude. He chases our dude, right? Our, our, you know, our other DNI offers Louise. And the, these chases were good, man. They were fun. Like the the shit went and made sense. You know, like you see those scenes in films and someone pulls a gun, but they don't use it because it's like, oh, there's too many people around. And you're like, but why didn't you? Nah. So we see the beginning of that, but then they change it up and they do things. You'd be like, oh, snap, that makes sense. OK, so we got these real fun chase sequences, both very different, but they both worked. Both worked. Right. So we have all of this. Then shit goes real south. Shit goes real south. So it's like, oh. But this leads us to meet our other agents, right? And, um, yeah, we, we have these little logical things, right, that, that make sense. And you're like, okay, all right, this is fun have some more chase sequences and all of that. And yeah, you're like, yo, okay. All right. This is interesting. Now, I think when they introduce us to Agracilia, you know, Penelope Cruz's character, you do wonder about that one, right? Because you think, oh, how are they playing this? Then it gets dropped that she's a psychologist. And you're like, oh, Right, but you're waiting for a double cross, you're waiting for something which doesn't happen, and they play the character well, right? Because she's not a field agent, so yeah, she gets scared, she's worried, she doesn't want to have to really do it, but she's kind of you know, they bully her into it. They, I mean, I think that's fair, they bully her into it, but it makes sense. Right, because it's logical. All the arguments are rather logical here. And then we get all the agents meet and you know, I mean the, the, the big team up. And again, it is a bit of a logical situation, you know, because yeah, they're they're they are all technically fighting for the greater good. So you're like, okay, it makes sense, but we then, you know what I mean? Like, when we see those kind of things in films, everyone's now suddenly buddy-buddies. It's not really the case, right? There's still kind of little animosity and stuff like that. But as time goes on and it's saving each other and all of this jazz, you know, people are a bit more like, okay, okay. And you're like, yeah, this, all right, yeah, this makes sense, man. This makes sense. But it all goes kind of crazy. All goes kind of crazy. And you're like, fuck. Right? They do throw in a lot of, what? You know, plot twists and everything like that. Now, 
a lot of the times you watch a film and they, you know, especially when there's a lot, multiple, you can deal with one. But when there's several, you're a bit like, come on, man. Like, you can't paint yourself into a corner and then all of a sudden this happens and it's just like, ah. But the way it makes sense with this is because you're like, okay, yeah, that's a logical thing because, of course, that would happen, right? And even when they play it with some little red herrings and all of this, you know, then when the reveals come, you're like, oh, shit, yes. Yes, because that conversation and that leads to, yes, that makes sense. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? And so you are getting this story that is very plausible, right? All the fights. Again, as I mentioned before with the martial arts, right? We have these fights go down and it isn't a case of the women just, you know, seamlessly kicking butt. No, they go, they're having to rely to use the gun and stuff like that. And in the hand-to-hand, they're getting smacked about, right? They're thrown up against walls. They're getting choked. And it's like, ah, having to like, do a thing to survive. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. And a bit like the Marvel shit on Netflix, right? You see the damage. You know what I mean? And the damage stays. Right, it's not a case of oh she got smacked up, bruised. Oh now the bruises are gone. No, no, no. Everything, the collateral damage, right, the physical damage, it stays throughout the film, which I liked. There is a fluidity, a really nice flow to the fights, and not to the fact where oh it looks like a dance. No, no, no. It's a the not smooth fights, but it's the way they're cut together, right. There's this fight between Mason and Marie in um in this room near the docks, and yo, the camera's going at a, like a, a slant and it's moving and like pa 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 pa. You know what I mean? Just like that, just like that, people. But it, it, yo, the kinetic energy of it, it really pulls you in. You're really just like yo. You know what I mean? With scaling buildings, people nearly falling, like explosions. You are sucked into it. You really are. Man, I was, there's moments when I'm like, what? You know what I mean? The things happen, I'm just like, oh, no, 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 no. And yeah, I was pulled into the film, people. I very much enjoyed it. Very much enjoyed it. And yeah, we are. Um, the reveals were crazy. The reveals were crazy. Especially, the, the, like, the things happened, and I was like, oh, I did not see that shit. Didn't see that shit. Now, one big thing does happen, right? Which, uh, they, you know, it is a bit of a, a cliche, but they do make it work. They make it work, and, yeah, they tie it up nicely. They tie it up nicely. Now, it does end in a way where, um, you know, this clearly could be a, 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 a franchise, right? But it, it, it's not cheesy. It's not cheesy, you know? I, I think there was a, a logical progression in the film that I think was you know, just so well done. It was so intelligent 
right? It, it made a lot of these action films look very sloppy in the way they develop their stories. Ain't gonna lie, right? And I, I yeah, I, I did wonder about the film. You know, as mentioned, right? Because we've seen this kind of thing be tried before. I mean, Charlie's Angels is a very, I, I, I think it's a good example of them trying it and it just failing. Like the original two Charlie's Angel films, you know, with Drew Barrymore and who the fuck? There was, um, I... <laughs> Shorty from uh, Kill Bill and um, that lawyer TV series. <sighs> Lucy Lou, Lucy Lou, and um, the blondie one, right? Uh, the other blonde one. I feel, I don't know, I forget. But anyway, you know Charlie's Angels. So those two films, which oh, I hated those films. Ah, oh, they were bad. And then they tried to reboot, right? And I hear that's a stinky. It's just come on Netflix. I ain't watched it yet. I, I'm imagining one night when I'm not sleeping, two in the morning, I'll throw it on just to be like, couldn't it put me asleep? But these films failed. You know, Tomb Raider, the original Tomb Raiders, that didn't work. The, the Lewis one was a bit better, I will say. But yeah, it just wasn't very logical in the way they scripted it and the story flowed. This makes sense man it makes sense even when they throw in some little kind of political shit you know some comments like uh, yeah thanks for mansplaining they didn't say mansplaining but it's a, you know it's a thing be like okay fine i'm down i'm cool because they, they they make the reference which then explains the fucking title of the film right i didn't know this but the 355 was the name of an agent during the um you know the, the 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 uprising when those just ungrateful bloody Yankees kicked the poor old British out of the country? It's just ugh, terrorism, terrorism. But yes, yeah, supposedly you know she she was part of that and. I, you know, they used a coffering method to decipher shit. And 355, I think, in, in that means lady, right? The lady or lady, one or two. And so, yeah, then it's just like, oh, shit, the film makes sense. It all makes sense. I get the title now. And that kind of gets broken down, right? And I don't, that's not really a spoiler, because I imagine, you know, our, our American friends, they all probably knew that shit from the giddy. I'm, I'm assuming that was taught at a school and all of that one. But yeah, she's unknown, right? They don't know her name. And so, yeah, it, you know, it makes sense within the context of this film. But I would be down for more, for sure. For sure. You know, I like the way they did it. I like the way, even with. You know, I think it was like um, there was a scene where one woman wouldn't have been able to go into a place, right? Because it just wouldn't have made any sense. And so they were like, oh, no, this happens, it has to happen like this. And you're like, boom, they're thinking, man. You know, 
it is is my whole argument with a black James Bond, right? Why it doesn't make any sense, but have more different double O's, right? This film kind of shows that it, it shows the necessity for different agents and doing the thing and blah blah blah. But yeah, the three five five people, friggin' solid as a motherfucker. I enjoyed the hell out of it. If you like your action films, you know. Now, like, yeah, in, in the promo for this, I did hear people reference the Bourne films, right? I will say it's not like the Bourne films, but it's not a, uh, uh, it doesn't pale in comparison. You know what I mean? It's, it's really does it very well. I enjoyed this more than some of the Bond films, you know what I mean? makes a lot more sense than a lot of the Bond films, you know what I mean, in the way it all went down, so yeah, if you like, you know, James Bond, if you like Jason Bourne, you know, if you like a good espionage flick, then people, the 355 is going to tick all your boxes, oh, you are going to be giddy like a motherfucker, right, you're going to enjoy this, because they make it make sense, so yeah, people, it is out in the cinema this Friday, so people, go enjoy the free five, five. Okay, people, so we draw to the end of part one, but before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. So, with Spider-Man soaring high on the charts, you know what I mean? Sony aren't done, because, as you know, they've got the Morbius film coming, right? It was a meant to be dropping, in a couple of weeks on the 28th of January, but they've decided it, they've decided to push it back to the 1st of April. So that's when it's going to be hitting IMAX and cinemas, right? Which makes a little sense because Spider-Man is going to be kicking ass at the charts for a good ass while. Right, so, you know, bringing in Morbius, a character not everyone knows, like, it, it, maybe it's not going to get the same traction, but once Spider-Man is out of the way, right, then people will be like, yo, where's our next comic book fix? So, yeah, it, there's, there seems a logical um, movement with that one, you know what I mean? Um, now, Paramount, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're doing a lot of things right now because they've got Paramount Plus and all that. So they're resurrecting things, they're bringing things back. One of those seems to be Beavers and Butthead, right? So, um, yeah. I, yeah, I forgot for a minute that Paramount owns MTV, you know? But, um, yeah, so Mike Judge, 
he's come out and said um, Beavis and Butthead will be returning this year with a brand new movie and more on Paramount+. Plus. No exact date yet, but soon. They need some time to get back in shape. So um, it's a little funny. Uh, so yeah, that's coming, people, if you're fans of um, those duos, right? Um, you know, we know Christopher Nolan, his next big flick is going to be Offenheimer, right? Which, um, man, I, I have to say, I'm excited, right? Robert Offenheimer, and he, he was a crazy individual, man, crazy. And he also, hey, he was part of that Manhattan Project, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, Chris Cillian Murphy will be playing Offenheimer, but Josh Harnett has just joined the cast. Uh-huh. We don't know who Harnett is going to be playing, though, right? But, um, yeah, it's funny, man. We're just suddenly seeing Harnett all over the spot, right? Because we, we he was in Wrath of Man that we t- spoke about a couple of weeks back. So, um, yeah, this cast is definitely growing, right? We've got Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Rami Malik. It's a g- good old cast, man. Good old cast. All right. So some other news with big ass films and fat casts, right? So, um, yeah. This happens to be the um, the next one from Ridley Scott, right? And it is called Kit Bag. And you think, well, what, what's a kit bag? Well, kit bag, I, I feel kit bag is, um, you know what I mean? A bag like soldiers and shit would carry. Because this film is about Napoleon Bonaparte. Ah, it's uh, Ridley Scott's baby. He's been trying to do this for a long ass time. And um, yeah, he managed to get Apple to sign on. So uh, yeah, that's coming. Joaquin Felix is playing Bonaparte. Um, now, Jodie Comer was, um, she was on board to play Josephine. But um, unfortunately, it looks like, but you know what I mean? She's had to um, pull out. Scheduling conflicts is the one. And because of all the delays with COVID and everything like that, it has definitely been something that has messed up big opportunities for people. But people, don't fear, because in step, Vanessa Kirby, who is... um just as talented, so all is good, all is good, but sticking with Apple people, because it looks like they pulled off another big coup, because a lot of people were um, trying to grab this um, this new film from Joseph Konishki, Joseph Konishki? I feel that's, I I, I was going to say, I feel that's how you say it, but no, I'm not confident. (laughs) But yeah, he's got this new film written by um, Aaron Kruger, uh, produced by Jerry Brockheimer and starring Brad Pitt. A lot of people were bidding for it. 
and Apple have won, right? So um, it's about a retired racing legend who mentors a young driver and takes his final stab at glory on the track as the younger driver's teammate. Now, also, Lewis Hamilton is meant to be involved in this, but uh, yeah, hasn't got a title as yet, but that's coming, people. And finally, let's end with this, because we're going to get a film about Gene Kelly. Yeah, going to get a film about Gene Kelly. Now, the, the, the story is meant to be this, right? It follows a 12-year-old boy who works on the MGM lot in the early 1950s. There was no trade laws. Right? You know what I mean, there's no minimum wage, so it's not crazy for a 12 year old to be up in there, right? Um, it begin like the boy begins to create an imagined friendship with the legendary movie star while working on his next film. Um, yeah, and that friend is Gene Kelly, right. So, um, yes, I mean, it could be interesting. It's actually meant to be an idea conceived by Chris Evans, who, um, you know, looks to be the one who will be playing old Gene Kelly himself. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious about it. Um, Producing the film is going to be Evans along with Mark Kazan and Ryan Johnson. Um, yeah, it looks like John Logan is uh, writing the script. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, people. So there we go. There we go. That's us for part one. But yeah, it's the start of the new year, people. So you know we got to bless you. So go check out part two because we got a little review and we got a great interview. Great interview. So people, boom, we will see you there. All right. In a minute. Peace. <laughs>